Hi, I'm Tom Merritt, author of CNET's The Real Deal, and welcome to Buzz Out Loud, day four, sans Molly. Molly Wood is on holiday. She recorded a Montel Williams appearance yesterday, and we found out that it will air on Friday. So if you're listening to this before Friday, September 30th, make sure to set your TiVo to see Molly. And just to warn you, there's a lot of Montel type stuff on, you know, people with dead children and missing things in a circus act. But Molly's part, really good. So you're gonna you're gonna want to check it out. Anyway, on to the buzz and buzzing out loud. Uh, information today coming out that the momentum for Firefox has finally slowed. So all you Firefox haters out there can cheer because not only did they have the uh, the patches issue last week, but also now. They only gained one percentage point of the market share in five months compared to the one point per month gains after the release a year ago. The Firefox people are saying, you know, we always knew there would be an end to the early adopters and Microsoft haters who were going to switch to Firefox. So we expected this point to come at some point, and now we know where it is. It's right here at 7.86%. So it remains to be seen if Firefox can push out into the rest of the Internet Explorer universe. We will we will see. My guess is no. My guess is that, you know, and, and I have, this isn't, this is a barely educated guess, 10, 15% tops that they can, they can still get to, barring some change. Now that's conditions as they are now. If Firefox comes up with something new, if Internet Explorer does something different, maybe Windows Vista will change that one way or another. But, you know, things being what they are, Firefox is a really good browser. It's really light, but a lot of people just aren't going to switch because there isn't a compelling reason for them. And I'm talking about the people who just get their computer from the store, they turn it on, there's Internet Explorer. To them, that's the Internet. Why would they need this other thing they don't understand? So anyway, we will see. I personally still believe that uh, Mozilla, and I don't even use Firefox, I use the Mozilla Suite, is the, the best app for me. But uh, I know some of you out there disagree because of your mocking notes last week about the security patches. Interesting note on news.com. Uh, Esquire has tried a wiki article. Uh, they basically got into cooperation with Wikipedia to write an article about Wikipedia by the Wikipedia community. So the author uh, from Esquire wrote an article intentionally full of inaccuracies, intentionally full of spelling errors and grammatical errors, posted it up on Wikipedia and said, okay, go at it. 749,000 articles here in Wikipedia. You need to edit this Esquire article about Wikipedia. And apparently it has worked. Uh, There were a ton of people. It was edited 224 times within the first 24 hours and another 149 times in the next 24 hours. So for a total of over 360 times in two days. Uh, And the final draft draft was finally locked on September 23rd. So uh, you can check it out at news.com. There's a link to it, or you can go to Wikipedia and find it. And then it will also appear in Esquire. And some 300 people are the author of this article and they, and apparently it, it, it turned out fairly well. I'm, I'm interested to take a look at it. I hadn't had a chance to look. This just got put up on news.com earlier. Now our executive producer for broadband here at CNET pointed out an article on Yahoo about a company in Japan that is touting a broadband over power lines. 
this is the kind of thing that always gets people excited. It's it's a router. You plug it in. It uses the power lines in your home to network so that you can, without running any Ethernet wires, have a network where you can plug your computer in to the power line and boom, you've got the internet. This, this stuff actually does work. It has worked for five years or so and no one has really been able to market it. Now, if you dig down into the AP story that's here on Yahoo, uh, it actually does admit that this has been around for a while. But the difference this time from Matsushita is that theirs is faster. Okay. Maybe. Maybe that's enough to make people switch over and say, you know what? I'm not going to go Wi-Fi. I'm going to get a power outlet. And here's the thing, folks. When this was hot was when you had to string Ethernet cables. Now that there is Wi-Fi... And in some places, they're working on city-wide Wi-Fi, where you don't even have to buy a router. You just get it. It just comes into your house. I don't see why you would do this. You know for, what I find more intriguing? Yeah, Veronica? The laptops that um, power by the Ethernet cable. You can oh, actually power yeah. things over an Ethernet cable. That's turning this idea on its head, right? Yeah. Where it's like, Basically you know what? The There's power in my Ethernet. Why not charge off it? Yeah. I mean, you can't do a lot. It has to be very low. There was a laptop that I saw somewhere possibly in a magazine, probably, that um, was actually being powered off of an Ethernet cable. Did it have a battery and then the Ethernet was powering, it was like recharging the battery? I don't know if it had like a battery seller of any kind or if it was just straight from the Ethernet, but it must because you can't always have it plugged in. Right. But it was very low wattage. Couldn't do much. That reminds me, that actually reminds me of the the, uh, hand crank laptop from MIT Media Labs. No, this is serious. They're they're putting this $100 laptop (laughs) <laughs> it's it's actually targeted towards children uh, somewhat, but for the developing world, $100 gets you a laptop, and if you can't, if you're not a, near a power source, you can hand crank it to charge the battery. It's it's durable. It's got a flexible screen, so it's, it, it's not going to break terribly easy. It's probably one of the toughest laptops made. Probably. I haven't played with it. Yeah. You know, but from what they've said, and it's a nonprofit corporation from this guy at MIT Media Lab, so... It just reminds you should get one here at CNET. I t- absolutely want one. That'd be really it's, neat. We probably can't afford it, though. <laughs> but um, ching. Sorry, we don't have the budget for that. All right, we uh, we got. I've been putting off talking about this because of some other stuff that just kept coming up. But uh, there was over on the PVR blog, and I think I saw this originally on Boing Boing. Uh, rent my DVR. The concept behind this site is that users of the site can pay twenty cents. Uh, I think it's a European, so it'd be 20 euro cents, to request an episode of a TV show. Other users on the site are then informed that the episode has been requested, and if they send a video file of the episode to the requester, they get paid. So it's kind of peer-to-peer for video, but with a DVR style, and you're, it's, it's a small pay-per-view, you know, just a few cents, and you can make money because you're hosting it. Now, is it legal? Uh... I don't know. I haven't delved into it, but my guess is that it could be. In other words, if I have the file of a television show on my hard drive and I get paid, I'm getting paid for the bandwidth. I'm getting paid for the hosting. My my guess is what they could do is the company that runs this could take part of that 20 cents and give it to the rights holder of whatever it is because you'll know what it what the what the episode is. So this would be an interesting test to see if people really are interested in getting their just pay out of creative works or if they're interested in controlling everything. 
because the MPAA could not control everything in this situation, but they could get justifiable rights, right? You know, everybody wins. The person hosting it gets a little money. The company rent my DVR gets a little money. The uh, rights holder could get a little money if there is one, which there usually is with video. And then uh, I get that episode of 10 Speed and Brown Shoe with Jeff Goldblum that I have been wanting to watch since it got canceled after six or seven episodes back in the 80s. So anyway, that that is really the main driver behind my interest in all of this technology. If anyone out there knows what 10 Speed and Brown Shoe is, I'm with you, man. It was a good show. At least it was good when I was that age back in the 80s. All right. I Some of you are probably screaming that I haven't talked about Google and NASA pairing up. When, when does it? I mean, it just gets sillier and sillier, doesn't it? Google is now going to build a one, a four, a one, no, wait a minute. Hold on. It's a one million square feet. I can't remember exactly. It's a huge campus in Silicon Valley uh, in partnership with NASA. They're using land that's owned by NASA. So uh, they will also help NASA by harnessing new technology which could boost the space program. So could Google help land humans on the moon by 2020? Yeah, possibly now. Sure. That would have seemed ridiculous back before Google Talk came out a mere month ago or a month and a half. But but yeah, now Google putting people on the moon, you know. So it you can't even make jokes about Google anymore. Yeah, Google's going to make their own internet. Yeah, done. Oh yeah, Google's going to give free Wi-Fi to everybody. Done. Who's going to put people on the moon? Done. Well, not done, but close to done. This is this is insane. People are 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 they're boring me with the idea that oh Google might replace Microsoft. Google might replace everything. Everything we know may be Google map. We may live on a large Google map soon. I mean. It's getting out of hand, but this, uh, no, seriously, bring it, bring it a little bit back down to reality. It, Google is reaching out, going into strange new worlds. What do you think? Give us a call. 1-800-616-CNET, buzz at cnet.com. Uh, one last note here, eDonkey finally throwing in the towel. You know that DRM and file sharing is one of my favorite topics. Uh, Sam Yegan, the president of eDonkey, testified at the Judiciary Committee hearing. This is posted on Slashdot that because of the Grokster standard requiring the divining of a company's intent when they provide a service, uh, they felt that they would not be able to have the funds to fight the litigation and, and, and the, the legal proceedings that they would most likely fall under. Basically, they said in a world where all they had to pay for was a summary judgment hearing under the Betamax standard, which was the previous standard before Grokster, they felt they could do it. But under the Grokster standard, they don't think they have the financial ability to fight the battle. They think they would win. They're not thinking that they wouldn't win the case, or at least that's what they're saying. But they uh, they think that they would probably, probably not, probably go bankrupt trying to stay in business. Uh, so hopefully Congress is listening. I mean, eDonkey isn't just throwing in the towel because they're trying to make a point. This is a business. These people want to make money. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't just close down their business to make a point. At least I, I don't think so. I don't know them that well. I don't know them at all, but 
you know, a business doesn't just close up shop because oh, I'll show you, I'll close my business. Uh, this, this, this is clear evidence, in my opinion, that the standard has gone too far, that they have raised the standard too high. It is unreasonable to say that a company's intent, how can you read that? I mean, for, for years we have decided that, or at least the common sense has been that we should judge people on actions because it's hard to divine intentions. Intentions play into it sometimes. I know it's not that simple, but anyway. I am sorry to see E-Donkey go. But, as I've said before, I buy all my music either on CD or I download it as a clean MP3 off the internet. I do not file trade for music. I do not buy DRM'd music. That is what I do. What do you do? Give me a call. 1-800-616-CNET or buzz at cnet.com. Molly will be back in a couple days. I'll be back with you for one more time.